Hello listeners everywhere! Welcome to the Archive of Audio Antiquities, a voyage into the vault of wonders on the wireless. In a moment, Simon Exton and Ken Moss will be here to speak to you. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Archive of Audio Antiquities. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And this time we're listening to the soundtrack from the William Hartnell Doctor Who story, The Savages. This is a four-part story from the William Hartnell era, towards the end of his third season. Companions he was travelling with were Stephen, played by Peter Purvis, and Dodo, played by Jackie Lane. And in fact, this is the story where the character of Stephen leaves the TARDIS team. Jano, since you have destroyed the power you held over Chal and his people, you realise now, of course, you've got to learn to live together. Yes, but the fear and hatred of the past will only die slowly. We need someone like yourself as a mediator until we have become one people. I see, but in my case, I'm afraid that is utterly impossible. The man we need must inspire trust. There is the leader we want, Jano. My God! A great honor, dear Pa. I can't walk out on you and do that. Think of the challenge to be able to set up the people of these planets for a new life. You're quite ready for this task. You think I can do it? Yes, I do. And you're the only man who can, my boy. <laughs> you would give us new hope. Well, I must say, young man, I'm very proud of you. Doctor, I don't know it. I know, I know, my boy. Well, go on, you mustn't keep them waiting. Goodbye, Stephen, and good luck. There's very little surviving of this story in terms of footage. There's no actual broadcast quality footage. There's a a few snippets of 9mm footage that look fairly ropey, and there are telesnaps. So we can get an, an idea of what the story looked like. As with all other Missing Doctor Who episodes, there is a full soundtrack, and this has been cleaned up and given an official release with a linking narration by Peter Purvis. So we can get a, a reasonably good idea of what the, the story is like. Now, I've always been a fan of The Savages. I know you've been traditionally less Up to keen. now, less so, yeah. But, because obviously I knew we were going to do this, so I've, I've given it a re-listen over the past week. And the first time I ever listened to it was, oh, a couple of two, three years ago, maybe. And I've never revisited it since. It's never, it didn't strike me as a great Doctor Who. On re-listening, I can see why now there are, there are bits of it that you miss first time around. Mm. And from an editor's point of view, early Doctor Who's only had four edits per half-hour episode, which is nothing, really. You, you could have camera shots within those edits, but actually editing away to a different shot or a different scene for in half an hour is not very many. If you listen to the soundtrack of this, The Savages, which was only sort of, what, 66 that we sneaked in by then? You can hear the scene changes reasonably regular, certainly in the, the setup episodes where the Doctor's talking to the Elders and Dodo and Stephen are with the Savages or the Savages are just milling about watching proceedings and, uh, and setting up the story. I would really like to see that returned. I think visually... It'd be a lot better than it's... I can't say that it's got a bad reputation, but it's not particularly highly regarded. I think there are stories... The Ark would be a perfect example. 
on audio, it wouldn't be particularly exciting, but it works well if you, mm, if you yeah. gloss over the monoids. <laughs> but the sets and the effects that they have work well. Yeah. And you don't get that purely on audio. So I, I think if it didn't already exist, the Ark would have a, a similar reputation to the Savages in that it's not particularly exciting. But when you actually watch it, it's a good set of episodes. Mm. I've always liked The Savages. I like it as a story. It has a couple of interesting little historical twists to it. And it was the, the first Doctor Who story to not use individual titles for the episodes. Really? Yes. That's one thing. And the, the second thing is that with the recovery of an episode of Galaxy 4, it is the only William Hartnell science fiction story that has no surviving episodes. There are some nice bits in it. I like the one thing that quite a nice invention was the light guns which are basically that you fire them at people, but they don't wound or kill. They just, they entrap you and you can then guide them using the gun. And actually there are no character deaths in the No, it's, it's where nobody dies. I remember seeing that in a program guide somewhere. Yeah. Apart from Edge of Destruction, which doesn't have any guest cast, mm. it's the only William Hartnell where there, isn't any, there aren't any deaths. No. And there was only one Patrick Troughton. What's the plot? So the, the Doctor and his companions land in the far future... And their journey there has been tracked. So the inhabitants of a a city that is on an island on an unnamed planet have been waiting for them to turn up and say, we've been following your journeys through time. We respect you massively as a a scientist. We'd like you to have the the honours of our city. Please come and look round. And the Doctor, right from the beginning, is a little bit suspicious of them. Mm. In a very polite way. Well, yes. But Hartnell, when you flatter him, his Doctor was polite. Mm. Now, Stephen and Dodo have a tour around the city and end up discovering that the thing that makes this city as advanced as it is, is that they're draining the life force from the other inhabitants of this island, who are the savages who run around in animal skins and uh, and live in caves. And they take their life force, their vitality, and transfuse it into the inhabitants of the city so that they can become more creative and more intelligent as a sort of scientific vampirism, really. Mm. When the Doctor discovers this, he sides with the savages. He says that this is unethical. And so the city elders turn on him and drain his vitality. And this is one of a number of excuses that there were around that time to minimise Hartnell's workload because he was really quite ill. So in Celestial Toymaker, he was invisible for a couple of episodes. And in the Tenth Planet, he's unconscious for an episode. And the, the smugglers, he just wanders off for an episode or something, doesn't he? Well, the massacre. He, I know he's in it as the Abbot of Amboise, but he's it, not a particularly heavy part. He's very light in the massacre, really. It's Stephen's story. Yeah. And so the, the TARDIS team side with the savages and end up capturing a couple of the guards, getting hold of their light guns and trick their way into the city to destroy the machinery. They are assisted by one of the city guards who has befriended apparently the only female savage. It seems uh, to be. Uh, what was her name? Nanina. Uh, Nanina, that's it. When he was captured, she was looking after him and she, she prevented the other savages from killing him. So when the tables turn, he gets his light gun back. He is prepared to cooperate for her sake. So they're able to keep the door closed while the doctor persuades the city elders that this is completely unethical. And then they all smash up all the equipment. At the end of it, there are these two populations that don't really trust each other, saying we want somebody who is neutral to take charge. And they plump for Stephen. So Stephen leaves the TARDIS to become the leader of this new combined society. I've never been a massive fan of the story. On hearing it again, there are a lot of plus points. And I actually think that some of the the ideas in it are quite clever. 
The one thing which we both agreed on, and we both said it at exactly the same time, is Stephen is a bit of a dick. Yeah, absolutely. Stephen's always been quite a sympathetic, down-to-earth character. And he's always, with Dodo, been quite protective, protective. of her. In this, he's an absolute dick to her because she's suspicious right from the word go. And he's saying, oh, don't cause a scene. Don't embarrass us in front of our hosts. And then says to them, oh, Dodo's always lying about things and making stuff up. But she says outright, I saw something. I I saw this thing walk by. And And he he basically tells her her. that she's imagining it. Yes. Which is completely out of character for Stephen. He's, he's, I've always said Stephen has been, for me, one of the best companions of the Hartnell era. And he's been the most real. And actually, the two characters that really drive the resolution of the plot in this are the women. It's Dodo and Nanina. Yeah. Um, Dodo, without her, they probably wouldn't recognise the problem with the society because she's the one that, where it it doesn't feel right for her, so she goes off to investigate Stephen. Stephen would just blithely wander along on his guided tour and not be any But they want Stephen as their king. Um, And... (laughs) But then, oh, yes, it's Stephen who must come and be in charge, even though it's Dodo that's done all the recognition of the problem. Now, to be fair, when it comes to an action role and taking over the use of the light guns and... Knocking people out, then then Stephen's there with both fists. It's a disappointing story for Stephen on on reflection because I like him as a companion, but I don't particularly like him in this story. I think he's a bit of a dick. And why they choose him to lead them rather than Dodo, I have no idea because it's much more her story than his. This really is just another example of how badly Dodo was treated. I've often thought that it might be nice if Big Finish got their hands on Dodo. She's the only one now that hasn't come back that's still alive from the classic series. To be honest, I can understand why. She's in her 70s now, I believe. Doesn't she live abroad now? I wouldn't like to say it, but a 70-odd-year-old realistically trying to play a sort of late teens, early 20s character Mm. now, particularly with what appears to be the lifestyle that Jackie Lane's had vocally with cigarettes and alcohol. It looks like, again, it could be completely disingenuous. Well, I mean, there's video of her on YouTube smoking, so... Yeah, um, and she does sound completely different now. So I think that you couldn't really get away with having Dodo back as the character she was. It's a shame because it's worked with Susan and it's worked with other characters who have... The other characters that it's worked with have tended to stay as actors, whereas Jackie Lane has been an agent for far longer than she was an actress. So it's a shame, really, because I think Big Finish could have really done something good with Dodo. They've they've tried... But she wasn't well-treated in the books, either. I've not read all the novels with Dodo, and I've read... she's She's only in two. Well, there was Salvation, and there were a couple in oh, I the, about um, Salvation. There was, um, in the BBC range. You're thinking the New Adventures and the Virgin range, aren't you? There was Who Killed Kennedy? Man in the Velvet Mask. Man in the Velvet Mask, which is a horrible mishmash of a book, but doesn't treat her well, and she ends up with some nasty space STD, and it's all just a bit odd. And she gets killed in Who Shot Kennedy. Spoilers. So, yeah, Dodo was not a well-treated for, companion. For what? A 25-year-old pretty rubbish book that doesn't actually have the Doctor in it, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the savages, it's a nice send-off for Stephen. At least he actually does get an, a definite exit. Yeah, which is more, th- more than she does. And he gets a better exit than Ben and Polly do. And I believe that, because I'm a bit behind now with the Big Finish stuff, but I believe they've revisited Stephen uh, as King of the Savages. Oh, right. Um, you know Big Finish far better than I yeah. do. Big Finish, as you've said, they overmine the or they overfish the same pond in terms of writers. They could probably do to expand their, their pool of writers. But what they've actually tried to do with the characters, 
I don't think anyone can really fault. I, I've not heard it yet. I know you have. They've tried to expand on Katarina's story, which is a bit of a stretch because between Mythmakers and the start of Dalek's Master Plan, there isn't a gap. There just isn't. And you've said it's a massive crowbar. To- it is a big crowbar, but the series has had big crowbars mm. in it before. That I don't have a problem with. And the actress that they have playing Katarina actually does a really good job. And I have to say, does a better job than Adrienne Hill did. Because Adrienne Hill wasn't, well, on the basis of the one episode we have, really wasn't great. I mean, either she was having a bad week or she just doesn't really have an awful lot of dramatic range because it was all standing in publicity shots. It was pretty bad. I was surprised. I listen to the audio version of Dalek's Master Plan regularly, every year. The woodenness of her physical performance doesn't come across on audio. I mean, it wasn't until we were doing it for one of our episodes that it really came across to me because she's so background and you're concentrating on what the Doctor's doing and on what Brett Vyon is doing. You kind of ignore what she's doing because mm. it's so ignorable. We should do the Katarina thing in a different podcast. I think that would be an interesting route to go down. Well, the, the big finish one. Yeah, well, and Mythmakers and, and uh, and Masterplan. I think well, we've already done her episode of Masterplan. We have, but Masterplan as a whole, I think, is, is worth us doing at some point. But before we drift too far, as is our want, the only thing we've got left to do is Podcast of the Week. Now, I have a suggestion this time, mm. which is... Adam Richard has a theory. Oh, which is wonderful. It is absolutely brilliant. Adam Richard is an Australian comedian and actor and writer and all round far too talented for his boots. He does a wonderful, wonderful daily 10-minute little snippet of a podcast reacting to the most recent episodes of Doctor Who. And it is just an absolute joy. He is obviously head over heels in love with the series and brings that love through the skill of his ability as a comedian, as a stand-up performer. And it's just a joy, an absolute joy to listen to. If you like Doctor Who and you have even the tiniest fragment of a sense of humour, and I appreciate there are Doctor Who fans who don't, Mm -hmm. please give it a listen. The episodes are only 10 minutes and will bring joy to your day. Yeah, I've listened to about five or six in the kitchen today while I've been cooking for us. and well, Because I've been mithering about them since since they started, basically. Well, yeah, and I have a staggeringly short amount of free time. I sometimes wonder why I don't have more time. We actually got a shout-out on one of his episodes. Episode 25, I believe. It was, yes. And so thank you very well, much, Well, he accused Adam. us of being drunk. How dare you, sir? Get back to you with your Antipodean ways. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was sublime, and he's yeah. clearly... He records on his own, but he's clearly having a whale of a time doing it, and it's all, generally speaking, far more upbeat than we are about new Doctor Who. Because we, we have had the occasional downer on the very latest iteration of Doctor Who, but he, he yeah, does I, attempt I, to be massively upbeat, and it works. We're recording this after episode five, so after Fugitive of the Jadoon. Mm. I thought they'd really turned a corner with the first four episodes. I was kind of underwhelmed by Fugitive of the Jadoon because there isn't a plot. And one of my big things about Doctor Who and science fiction in general is that whatever you're going to do and whatever overarching storylines and everything, you need an, a plot for the episode. And unless you're making it very clear that this is a part one of two or part one of three or part one of however many, then you need a plot that is resolved within that episode. And that Jadoon thing just didn't have that. 
But we have covered this in a separate podcast, so we shall park that there. So on that note, boys and girls, thank you very much for listening to our little audio vignette. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I would encourage you to go and hunt down the savages. It's hunt down the savages. Uh, have a listen to the savages. It's a good unremarked story, really. Yeah, uh, it's one that I would love to see back in the archives because I think adding the visuals to it will really make it. Or animation. I reckon that's fairly low down the I, I think, the, the, the heart and I, all ones, I, I think. I think so as well. We actually have quite a good track record for predicting the animations, we don't do. we? We do. And I haven't sat down and thought what I think the next one is to be announced is going to be. I wouldn't say no. I, I think Wheel in Space has got to be on there. I know they've started it, so... I'll have to have a look and, and see what is... Or Eagle of the Daleks. I, I don't think that that will be a million miles off. But on that note, boys and girls, thank you for listening. We will be back with the Quatermass radio series. See you soon. Bye now. The Archive of Audio Antiquities featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. And the announcer was Jenny at Blue Box 99. All featured soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. Title music was by Edward White and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.